I would just like to introduce to you our uh, guest speaker for today. Our guest speaker is not um, a stranger to us. He, yesterday, we've, we've um, benefited from uh, his talk, Caring for the Depressed, and now uh, he will speak to us um, uh, with this uh, in, in the midst of this situation. So without much further ado, I would like to introduce to you our good friend, our uh, energetic and lively, very lively uh, speaker. I'm, I'm just uh, dreaming I could be in one of his class. He would be probably a very, very good teacher and a professor. I would like to introduce you, Dr. Fred Tok. Thank you. Dr. Tok. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Good morning, everybody. This is extraordinary times, and uh, if we can uh, switch this to my slides, that would be nice. You know, we used to say that um, united we stand, divided we fall. With the COVID-19 now, we have to change that. Divided we stand, united we fall. <laughs> and so, we are all at home. You cannot come to church this morning, that's fine. We bring the church to you, to your home, to your bedroom, to your kitchen. Amen. Now, right now, we are in your home. Well, as Christians, uh, we shouldn't be too worried about what's going on in the world today because we have the living hope in us. Amen. We have hope. Many people who are not Christians would, think, would um, describe Christians as weak because of this thing called hope. Let's watch a video and then I'll go on from here. So? Whoa, that's not good. Oh, I don't need this. I'm already late. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! Hello! There are two people stuck on an escalator and we need help. Now, would somebody please do something? Help! 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 <laughs> I don't believe this. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Well, there's not enough left to do, is it? Hello? Hey, don't worry about it. I'll fix it in a second. <laughs> he said he could fix it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's more like it. He says he can fix it. Oops. Now, sometimes we misinterpret hope as just passive. That we just sit and wait and do nothing about it. But hope is not passive. Hope is an active verb. While we are waiting, we have to be actively doing something to serve, to, to continue to live on in our lives. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who hope in the Lord will renew the strength. What is the strength for? 
The strength is for us to continue to soar. Whatever that's going on in the world today, we need to soar with wings like eagles. We need to run and not grow weary, and we need to walk and not faint. So hope is not passive as how what people, some people may have thought it would be. Now, scientists have also agreed with the scripture that hope is never passive. Well, According to this book by Dr. C.R. Snyder, The Handbook of Hope, uh, The Theory and uh, Measures and Application, this is what he said about hope. The person who has hope has the will and determination that goals will be achieved and a set of different strategies at their disposal to reach their goals. Simply put, hope involves the will to get there and the different ways to get there. So we are not sitting down passively waiting for something to happen and then not living our lives. You know, in this situation right now, we need to be active, actively calling one another, praying for one another, reading the word and, and, and sharing the gospel with one another. may not be physically, but we still need to continue to live our lives as normally as we can. Scientists have tried to find out the benefit of hopes or benefits of hope. And in order to find the benefits of hope, then you have to compare hope with hopelessness. So people in my industry, um, in my field, in psychology and in psychiatry, they try to find out why hope is so important. What are the benefits? And so they try to find the benefits of hope and comparing it with hopelessness. Hopelessness versus hopefulness. When someone who is hopeless, they feel despair. But when a person who is hopeful, when, they, when the person feels that there's hope, there's joy. Because I know it is not the end. There is joy, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm not despair anymore. Those who are hopeless tend to feel discouraged, whereas those who are hopeful tend to feel that they are encouraged. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And those who are hopeless tend to feel insecure. Oh, what am I going to do now? But those who feel uh, hopeful, they tend to feel more secure in their life. And those who are hopeless tend to feel useless. Those who are hopeful tend to feel that they are useful, you know. Those who are hopeless feel that, oh, I can't do anything about it. They resign to it and then they, they stop living their lives. Where are those, where else those who are hopeful? They said, I can't, I still can be used. I still can do the things that I want to do. And hopelessness often leads to insanity. Where else hopefulness often maintains our sanity, our ability to think well. Now, if you, now, the scientists did not really know what they were doing uh, when they tried to find the benefits of hope. Now, little did they know that the first letter of each hope, joy, encouragement, security, usefulness, and sanity, the first letter of each of these benefits spell a name. You know what's that name? It's Jesus. Jesus is our living hope. And this is how, how we should conduct our lives. In Psalms 91 verse 6, I believe it speaks about our time today. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. So don't dread this COVID-19 and complain about your life and stop living. Don't stop 
living, have the living hope in us. And First Peter says, do not fear what they fear, what the rest of the world fear, because we have God in us. We have hope, the hope that will give us joy, that will give us encouragement, that will give us uh, security, that will give us, make us feel useful, make us uh, maintain our sanity. Do not fear what they fear. We have the living hope in us. Do not be frightened. As I was preparing this, um, I just want to encourage those who are watching this that you, as Christians, we have hope. And I look into the book of um, First Peter. Uh, the book of First Peter was written to Christians who were persecuted for their faith. Some were martyred. Many were killed. Many were tortured. Many were forbidden from buying groceries from the store because they refused to bow down to the emperor. So they were persecuted, martyred, and some were burned alive. They were burned alive and used as, as street lights. And Peter then was writing to these Christians that, hey, be hopeful. Don't lose hope because the situation looks dire. He says, therefore, gird your minds for action. As we have hope, don't be passive. Gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I want to expound from the book of First Peter to find out four, um, four sources of hope and how we can ex apply them in these difficult and challenging times. The four sources of hope are, number one, you have to be clear-minded. Number two, you have to be prayerful. Number three, you have to stay, we have to stay connected. Number four, we need to press on and not give up. So while we are going through struggles, some of us may be losing our jobs because of this, and then we may lose hearts. Well, try to find hope. Use these four sources of hope to help you to maintain that, that, that faith in God. Number one, if you want to find hope, you have to be clear in your thinking. You have to be clear in your mindset. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. You got to have... You, you know, we have to be mindful about what's going on. Let, do not let emotions rule, overrule us. Do not let fear consume us. But let us be clear-minded, knowing what is ahead and the decisions that we're going to make. It says, prepare your minds for action and be self-controlled. You know, psychology has always been reading and trying to start, um, understand the mind and, uh, and how it works. And we've realized that when your emotions are low, when you are calm, your higher cortex region works better, which means low emotions, higher intelligence. So when you're calmer, you can think better. You can then strategize. But... When you are high on emotions, guess what happened to our higher cortex uh, functioning? It's been disrupted. Therefore, high emotions equals 
low intelligence. So when we make decisions emotionally, usually we will face the consequence of those impulsive emotional decisions. Like this lady here at the airport in Hong Kong. She was rushing to the counter, and uh, you have the sound? And she was dramatic, rolling on the floor, crying and yelling. Now, okay, she don't look very intelligent as this, as, as she was reacting to uh, what happened to her. She just missed her flight. And then she'll go over the top in her emotional outburst. She banged the table, roll on the floor. Doesn't look very intelligent. You see, if her mind is clear, she missed the flight, then she will think about what flight is next? How can I get home? Rather than throwing a huge tantrum at the airport. You see, if your life stinks, it could be because your thinking stinks. Stinking thinking leads to stinking living. So don't let emotions overrule your life. There are many ways to clear your mind. There are many ways to calm your mind when you are going through some emotional crisis, right? Going out to have a walk in a park, or ride a bicycle, read a, music, read a book, listen to music. And according to science, the best way to clear your mind is laughter. We have to learn how to laugh. Don't take your life too seriously. Don't take yourselves too seriously. When things go on, it will pass. This COVID-19 will pass. When we look back, we will laugh about our reaction. So we might well laugh now. The best way to live your life, to calm yourself down is to laugh. They say, stay home so that you stay alive. And I remember this song in the 70s, there's a movie called Staying Alive. And I was just putting out on my Facebook, staying alive, staying alive, I stay at home. You got to stay home to stay alive. You know, laugh, um, according to Dr. Lee Bird, he says, laughter appears to cause the reciprocal uh, to cause all the reciprocal or opposite effects of stress. So when you're stressed, if you want to counter that, learn to laugh. Watch a comedy and speak to someone who is funny, talk to positive people, and, you know, go out for a walk and learn to laugh, not take, to, not take things so seriously. They said, the virus enters through your mouth and your nose. So if you want to prevent the virus from entering to your mouth, then put on this antivirus. And the Bible says that cheerful heart is a good medicine. Long before the psychiatrists and the psychologists uh, found that laughter is the best medicine for stress, the Bible already has written that. Learn to have the joy of the Lord because when we have the joy of the Lord, we have the strength to overcome. That's where hope comes from. But we must, be, we must have the clarity of our mind. That's where you find your hope. Don't let your emotions overrule you. Don't let fear consume you to the point where you are no longer living. Number two, the, number, the second source of hope is to be prayerful, to be connected with God. Now, in the same verse, Peter says, be clear-minded and self-control for what? 
so that you can pray. Sometimes we get too emotional in our problems that we don't know how to pray. We have to know how to pray, how to pray, when to pray, and all that. And not let emotions so much so consume you to the point that you do not even know how to pray. We need to know how to pray. And the way to know how to pray is to make sure that we are clear-minded and have self-control. Peter also said this in, first, uh, in, in his letter to his Christians, to his disciples. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter, remember, he was a former fisherman. If it was Paul who wrote this, Paul would have said, pray, speak to God, because Paul is a scholar. But this guy, Peter, was a fisherman, so he used a fisherman language. He said, cast, a fisherman would cast the net. He says, when you pray, don't, don't let emotions overrule you, but instead let it go. Cast it. Give it to God. All your anxiety is in this verse. Whatever that you are struggling with is in this verse. Cast all, big, small, talk to God. Let God know. Cast it. Let the toxicity in your system, you know, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Don't keep it in your system. Cast, he said, throw it out. Throw it out to God. And you know what? You are in this verse, he says, cast all your anxiety or all your cares. So you can change this verse to put it more personal. Cast all Ray's care because God cares for Ray. You are in this verse. And you know what? God is in this verse because he says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. And therefore, we need to know that, you know, we need to come to God in prayer and, and in supplication and knowing that we need to, have clear, we need to be clear-minded in order to do that. Now, something happened when we prayed. John had the opportunity to go to the other side. That means he was sent, invited by Jesus to go into heaven, and this is where he witnessed what happened in heaven when we pray, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, he said, Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar. And a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of the gods of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. Which means when you pray, the angels will be collecting your prayers and they will bring it to the throne of God. In verse 4, it says, The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. You know what happened after that? Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down with the, from the, upon the earth. The thunder crashed, the lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. You see, this was what John saw when he went into heaven. John was one of those fortunate few or blessed few who was alive and yet he was able to go into heaven to see what was behind the scene on the other side. He says, when you pray, the angels will be collecting your prayers and they will present to God and God will respond. Then there was an earthquake. Remember Paul and Silas, 
they were in prison and they were hung on the prison wall and they were praising and they were praying to God. You know what? God God received those prayers from the angels and he responded with an earthquake. And what happened? They were free. Something happened in the heaven when you pray. Remember the, the Jericho wall. It, was, it collapsed because Joshua believed that God would do something. He prayed and walked around the wall seven times. And there was an earthquake. And the earthquake caused the Jericho wall to fall. The Jericho wall was a hindrance to them because they could not, they, they could not deal with the wall that was so steep and so high up. What was a hindrance after the prayer become a steps because when the wall collapsed, the, those rubbles become staircases for Joshua army to simply walk into the city of Jericho. What was a hindrance is now a help. That's what happened when we pray. So you got to be clear-minded knowing that your God is with you, in you, and for you, and then you cast all your cares upon him, and something is happening in heaven. That's why we need to live with that living hope in us. According to Nursing Times, a magazine for nurses around the world, they, you know, um, they said that prayer can reduce levels of depression and anxiety in patients, according to research. And this was, um, this was gathered, this research was gathered from 26 studies, and all 26 studies confirmed that prayers can actually reduce your depression and your anxiety. So pray. Remember to pray. You want to find hope? Pray. Talk to God. He says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. What is your anxiety today? What are your cares today? Let it go. Give it to God. Pray. Talk to Him. Firstly, you want to find hope, you must have a clear mind. You want to find hope, make sure that you're, you're connected with God through prayer. Thirdly, you want to find hope, well, we need to stay connected. We need to be together. I know this time we have been divided. You're not in church. We're still connected in some ways. You're not here physically, but we are still together in spirit. You cannot come to church, as I mentioned when, we start, when I start my sermon, but we, bring, we are bringing the church to you. But we need to stay together. Peter, strangely, wrote this verse in the midst of his letter to the Christians who were persecuted by the Romans. He wrote to his fellow disciples and he told them, above all, love each other. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, their common enemies are the Romans. The Romans were the one persecuting them, killing them, sending them setting them on fire, and yet Peter is writing to them, hey, you guys, stop fighting. Love each other. You know, don't, don't look, overlook each other's sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. You see, you will know a person who they are when you put them under stress. So while they were being under tremendous stress from the persecution, 
they began to have arguments and fights among each other. When good times come, everybody's fine. When something bad happens, we start pointing at each other. And usually that results in the splitting of the family, splitting of business partnerships, and sometimes even the splitting of churches. So it, was, it is during this time, and during these trying times, we need to stay connected. We have a common enemy. You and I are not enemies of each other. We should learn to love each other. You see, don't be angry with one another. Don't project your, your stress to your fe fellow brethren. You see, anger is not a cause. Anger is a symptom. When someone is continuously angry, it is a symptom. The same person who is often angry is the same person who is undergoing a lot of stress. And because they cannot deal with the stress, they project the stress to their own people, especially those who are closest to them. So in this time of crisis, there will be things that will go wrong. It will not go right. Because this is the first time we're experiencing all this. But let's continue to love one another. Don't let this stress cause us to be angry. Because stress is the cause of anger. Anger is the cause of conflict. And when anger is the cause of conflict, then the conflict is now the symptom and the anger is now the cause. And so the symptom is fighting, quarreling, splitting up. And then what happened? The conflict results in abandonment. The conflict caused abandonment. Abandonment caused isolation. Isolation causes loneliness. Loneliness then causes depression. Depression then causes suicide. So we need to understand this. If there are stress, let's stay connected. Let's love one another because love covers the multitude of sin. Love covers them all. Don't forget to love one another. Don't forget to pray for one another. That's where we find hope. Now, we are called to socially distant from one another. Socially distant or socially distancing is not socially isolation. Social distancing is not social isolation. We still need to stay in touch. Text one another, call one another, pray for one another because this is, this is trying times. Some of us may be feeling the, 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 the anxiety that we may lose our jobs because our, our offices are not functioning anymore. They have to close the office for a month or two and they have no more businesses. How am I going to feed my family? Oh, well, if you are going through that, stay connected so that we can pray together. That's what the church is all about. That when you are down, we are here to help you. We are here to pull you up. Don't isolate yourself. Isolation leads to desolation. Stay connected. And this is where we find hope. And when we are staying connected, let's be positive with one another. Let's not look into each other and say, Oh no, you again, you have all this problem. And you find burden with one in, uh, find each other as a burden. No, don't do that. 
Love each other. Have a higher threshold, higher tolerance for each other. Remember, love covers a multitude of sin. We are strong in numbers. Therefore, continue to do good in spite of what's going on. You know, birds fly information like this. They take turns to be the head bird. And they fly in a formation like this. Scientists have studied birds and, fly, and, and was wondering why they flew in such formation. And what happened was the first bird would flap its wings. As it flapped its wing, it created an upward draft. When it created an upward draft, it will push the one at the back upward without having to use a lot of strength to fly. And then when, he has, when he's been pushed up, he flapped his wing. Guess what? The back birds will also be lifted up. So every action leads to an uplifting of another person at the back. So what we need to do is to make sure that we stay connected. We pray for one another like these birds. We help each other to fly and to soar. This is not the time for selfishness. As you can see, people are running into the grocery stores, buying everything they can, uh, getting everything off the shelf. This is the time to share what we have. Stay connected. Number one, be clear mind. Have a clear mind. Number two, be prayerful. Number three, stay connected. If you want to find hope, then number four, press on. Never, 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 never give up. Press on. This guy here, his name is Harvey uh, Sheffield. He's from Redmond. And he was one of the privileged few who would, you know, uh, would carry one, uh, one of the legs one of the legs uh, as a torchbearer for the uh, Olympic that was held in Atlanta many years ago. So he was happy riding his bike, one hand holding the torch, and all the camera crews, the, the journalists were there, and, and they were taking pictures of him and uh, putting him up on the news, and he was, he was like, you know, showing them his flame, and then he lose balance. Guess what? He fell. He felt, and what happened to the torch? The, the light, the fire in the torch dozed off. It was unthinkable. The Olympic flame cannot be dozed off. So he was one of the few in the history of Olympic actually got the flame dozed off. He was so embarrassed because all the camera crews were there. The photographers were there. And he was pictured falling down and the torch was no longer lit. Now, what happened was there was this van at the back. There's always this van at the back. And what he did was he already was trained to do the eventualities like the, what happened when the light, when the flame was dozed off. So he went and walked to the back of the van, opened the door of the van, and there it was, the mother flame. Took his torch, lit up again, and he went on with his leg, to complete his leg. See, if your light is dosed off, God's light is always on. 
We can always lead the light in us by connecting with God. Don't give up. Don't give up. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. You see, a hope is not dead. It's not passive. It's alive. It is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we ought to be living. We ought to be active, not be passive, not resigned to the pain, not resigned to the fear. Well, one of my favorite books that um, I will read is by this uh, oncologist. Uh, his name is Dr. Jerome Gruppmann. He's not a Christian. But then he learned about hope from his patient. And then he wrote this book. He says, this is how people prevail in the face of illness. And he entitled the book, The Anatomy of Hope. Let me quote from this book. He said this, I have learned that every patient has the right to hope. Despite long odds, and it was my role as a doctor, as an oncologist. Oncologists are those who treat cancer patients. He said, despite long odds, it was my role to help nurture that hope. You see, there are some of his patients, the cancer cells are so advanced that he actually only gave them a week or two weeks to live. But some of his patients outlived those death sentences. Way beyond that two weeks, they, live, they outlive by years. And there are those whose cancerous cells were not as severe as others, yet they die in a couple of months. Now, he gave his best as a doctor to treat his patient, but he wanted to find out how some patients of his actually survive longer than others. And he found out that the patients who survived longer are those patients who held on to this thing called hope. And this is what he said. To hope under the most extreme circumstances is an act of defiance that permits a person to live his life on his own terms. And by doing so, it is part of the human spirit to endure and give a miracle, a chance to happen. If you give up too early, you might not give that miracle a chance to take place in your life. Push on. Press on. And this good doctor continued to say this. Hope give us the courage to confront our circumstances and the capacity to surmount them. You see, some patients of his were able to fight those cancerous cells because they believe that they can overcome it. They believe they can fight it. Hope can be imagined as a domino effect, a chain reaction, each, in, each increment making the next increase more feasible. Every small wind will build up into a big wind. So get those small wings and put them together. But, he said, there are moments of fear and doubt that can deflate it. So don't let fear or doubt deflate hope, the hope that's in you. And he said this, and I quote from this book, it took more than science to make hope real. God is above science. 
God is above all medicine. And this oncologist, this physician, is saying that it took more than signs to make hope real. Three things to remember as I conclude. Number one, the life that we have is temporary. The situations that we, we face are often temporal. This is what First Peter said. All men are like grass. All their glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This COVID-19, it shall soon pass. Your situation in your life, it shall soon pass. In fact, your life on this world, it shall soon pass. Everything we have, even the life that we have, is temporal. But there are some things that are eternal, he said. Remember, your reward in heaven is eternal. It will not be taken away from you. And we have a priceless inheritance, he said, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Your reward in heaven is waiting for you. I guess looking at this group of people here, I guess I'm the oldest here. This year I'm 60 years old. So actually I'm in a vulnerable group. <laughs> so this is 60 and above are the vulnerable group. So this year I'm 60. For you this year is 2020. For me this year it is 60-60 because I'm born in 1960 and I'm 60 years old. But if I go first, okay? If I go first to heaven, I make sure that I look up for your mansion up there. If your mansion is not up there, I cannot find your mansion. This group of people from Living Word, if I cannot find your mansion up there, something is not right here. Something is not right now, right now in your life. You're not living well. If you don't live well now, you do not live well later. So if I pass on for some reason, not if, when, my life is temporary, when I pass on, and if you ever had a dream about me, that's me telling you, your mansion is not built yet, do something about your life. <laughs> so remember, there are things that are temporal, there are things that are eternal, and remember your purpose in this world, why you are called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness. You have a purpose in this world. Now, in spite of what's going on in the world, you are called to declare God's promises, to, give, declare, to declare the goodness of God. God called you out of darkness for that very purpose. Never be so consumed by the problem that you forgot your purpose in life. A month ago, 
I flew back from the States. The last city that I was in was in New York. I preached on the Sunday morning, and I have to fly back to Singapore that night. I'm glad I took the flight home a month ago because uh, at that time, China was like the epicenter of uh, COVID-19 at that time. So I was, um, my family is in Singapore. I thought I need to fly home. Uh, initially, I booked an air ticket. I booked a flight via Air China. It was supposed to fly to Beijing. I canceled that flight. And I looked for another flight, and I fly via PAL, PAL, Philippine Airlines. Sound familiar? <laughs> so PAL leaves uh, New York early hours in the morning. Now. Altogether, it would take me about 24 hours, including waiting time, to fly back home. It took 16 hours for me to fly from New York to Manila. 16 hours. It's a long time in the little seat. And at best, you can only recline to the most way, and you're supposed to sleep in that, you're supposed to eat in that seat, and you have to go through turbulence. I always remember, I remind myself, this seat, this food, this place, not my home. If you're going through problems in your life, right now in this world, it's not your home. You are not home yet. I was full. For some reason, the flight was full. Maybe a lot of... Uh, People, especially Filipinos, were trying to escape out of uh, <laughs> New York, which is now the epicenter in the whole of U.S. And so I'm glad I flew back. 16 hours in that little seat, I remind myself, this is what life is all about. It is uncomfortable, but I'm not home yet. I have to endure. I don't give up. And then when I arrive into Manila, I arrive into Manila Terminal 1, and I have to wait to take the transport to get me to Terminal 2, the PAL Terminal. And the PAL Terminal, Terminal 2, it's always crowded. It's, it's so small. There's no restaurants to rest. The cafe has no seats. You have to stand up and eat. And I have two and a half, three hours waiting. I was like, oh, wow. But then I said, this terminal, not my home. I am not home yet. What is going on in your life? You are not home yet. You have to go through this. And this is your purpose. As I'm not home yet, I become the light to those around me. I look at people, try to talk to them, and um, try to make um, uh, friends with people around me and tell them that I'm a missionary, I'm a pastor, and all that. How, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? And all that. Hey, while I'm doing, while I'm going through that. And then, I flew home. It takes me another four hours from Manila to Singapore. Again, the small little city. Airplane food, not your best chocolate tail. They don't have your Hainanese chicken rice. I never liked airplane food. On the last leg of my flight, four hours, I said, at the end, because this seat, not my home. And I arrived home. 
if you're struggling, God has a word for you. You are not home yet. Press on. Press on. Four sources of hope. Number one, be clear-minded. Number two, be prayerful. Number three, stay connected with each other. Love covers the multitude of sin. This is not the time to have conflict. This is a time to love one another. Because when we stay together, we are stronger together. Press on. Don't give up. Remember this, when we first started, the scientists found the benefits of hope. Those who are hopeful are usually joyful. They are encouraged. They're secured. They're useful. They remain sane. And the first letter of each of these benefits spell a name, Jesus. May Jesus be your living hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray for those who are undergoing tremendous challenges right now in their lives. Some of us do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month. I pray, Lord, that you will be their living hope. They can cling on to you. Lord, don't let fear consume them, but let their faith in you charge them up. Lord, as they pray, may I, may I, I, Lord, I ask that the whole heaven will respond. That they, as they pray, they know that the heaven is taking on their prayers and that you will be responding to them in due course. Lord, during this time, may we stay connected with one another and encourage one another and love one another. Don't let our stress, Lord, cause us to project that towards one another. Lord, give us the strength to press on and not to give up. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Tok, for that very timely and inspiring message that we have received today. May the Lord bless you and your family, and may God continue to protect you. And so uh, with that, um, let us continue to hope in the Lord. And as we close, let us receive God's benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters. Join us again next week. 12 noon every Sunday uh, on our Facebook. And this coming Friday, 10 
uh, of April, 2 p.m. Join us for our online Friday, Good Friday service. May God bless you. May the peace of God be with you and always hope.